Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
They asked him, who are you and where were you born? Ramallah's my home, but inside I feel torn. I was taught to hate Jews, to hurt and to maim. But I felt a connection I could not explain. With anger and fury thrown out of my home. Confused and forsaken, I left there alone. But I feel something strange here, his voice fills the room. And over and over he's singing this tune. To say my goodbyes She told me the truth With tears in her eyes I was taken by force We're Jewish, now run Here's a picture to treasure It's where you come from They gathered and stared At the photo he held An image of his grandfather's grave It beheld Rab Kabitz His cave in Svav who wrote Lichotoidi? We sing Leil Shabbos.
חמודים אתם. אז ילדים, בואו נעשה שמח! מי ש, מי ש, מי מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי ש, מי ש, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי ש, מרבים בשמחה. מי מרבים בשמחה.
May I have your attention, please? This is the last will and testament of our dear friend and relative Samuel B. Cohen. I, Samuel Benjamin Cohen, being of sound mind and body, do hereby declare this to be my last will and testament. Number one, to my son, my beautiful boy Sheldon, <laughs> my firstborn, who made me proud of him all my life, a fine son, a good husband, a wonderful father, and the best dentist in the United States. <laughs> to my son Sheldon, I bequeath tax-free one million dollars. Wonderful. Isn't that magnificent? Good luck, Sheldon. <laughs> Number two, to my beautiful daughter Jane, with a Y. <laughs> to that lovely child who always got high marks and helped her mother with the dishes when we couldn't afford a maid, who got a scholarship to Hunter College, who for a long time has been a little too particular or she'd be married already. To my lovely daughter Jane, with a Y, tax-free one million dollars. Such a generous man. Isn't that beautiful? Mazel tov. Number three, to my beautiful wife Miriam, friend, companion, love of my life. To the lovely Miriam I give with pleasure everything that's not in her name already. the white Chrysler Imperial with the white sidewalls and the Prince's telephone, the Picasso from the back of the store, my Arnold Palmer golf clubs with a new leather bag, and tax-free $2 million in cash. Enjoy, sweetheart, enjoy. Oh, what a marvelous husband. An angel, not a man, an angel. The Picasso from back of the store and everything. <laughs> Number four, to my brother-in-law, Louis, who lived with us all of his life, who never had to do a day's work, who knew how to handicap the ponies better than anybody, who only smoked the finest cigars, mine, to my brother-in-law, Louis, who all his life said I would never remember him in my will. Hello, Louis. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning on this March the 1st, the 24th of Adar 1, we will bench Rosh Chodesh Adar 2. Tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar 2 will be a Thursday and Friday of this coming week. Rosh Chodesh is a Thursday and Friday. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayakel. It's also Erev Shabbos Shkalim with candle lighting at 527 on this Erev Shabbos, 527. Uh, let's see. Go through some of the music you heard. The Purim medley was Micha Gammerman, Shua Kessin with Nishmas. Tamu, that was Benny Friedman, Baruch Levine with Lachad Odi, the Avraham Yagiel medley, of course, from Avramel, and Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. 28 degrees outside with 
89% humidity. Winds are northeast at 6 miles per hour. Morning snow. I was somewhat surprised, frankly, when I woke up this morning and saw what was going on outside. Uh, high temperature today, 39. Rain and snow tonight, low 34. And tomorrow, some morning rain and snow for Shabbos with a high of 41 degrees. Yushalayim is at 47. We're at 28 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, today, of course, a, a big day. Malcolm Homeline is going to join us for the weekly update. There's a lot to discuss. There's about to be an indictment against the Prime Minister of Israel. And uh, Malcolm will join us for the weekly update at 7.40 Eastern Time. Rabbi Yudin, day 15, of course, with the Torah portion of the week. The big Rabbi Yudin and Rebetzin Yudin tribute dinner is coming up April the 7th. We'll remind you it's already next month. Yeah. So we'll talk about that coming up. Um, what else did I want to mention? Uh, so that's all happening today here at the JM and the AM. Um, over the weekend, our journey to Israel begins. And this is a golden opportunity for me to thank the folks at Seasons. Excuse me, to, folk, to, to thank the folks at, uh, I know why that happened, because Matis has a guest coming up on Sunday from there. Uh, to thank the, the folks at Aaron's Casino Farms, who are um, bringing you our amazing journey to uh, the Holy Land. NSN, the Nahum Siegel Network, is on the road in Israel. NSN on the road in Israel is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. So if you do need uh, any type of help in preparing for Pesach outside of this area, Aaron's, even over the phone, not even necessary to call, not even necessary to go in there, uh, Aaron's will take very, very good care of you. That's number one. Number two, those of you who have not yet enjoyed the shopping experience at Aaron's, I will be enjoying it today, and I've been enjoying it every week for, I think we could almost say years at this point, and it is an amazing store, wonderful customer service, great different departments. The parking is incredible. So um, our On the Road in Israel, NSN On the Road, is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Take Aaron's On the Road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs, and obviously walk into the supermarket anytime. Your Shabbos shopping, your Purim shopping, your Pesach shopping. On Monday, we'll be at Koren Publishers with JM and the AM. That's in Jerusalem. On a Tuesday from Ezer Mitzion. Wednesday, JM and the AM from Shari Tzedek. And the Thursday, we'll be at the Inbal with our friends from JCT and, uh, Medi- and the Medical Center for International Health at Ben Gurion University of the Negev. So we have a lot of great things coming up. A lot of wonderful shows. When we go to Israel, it is um, always, thank God, Bliyayin Haro, well-received by this audience. Uh, we have another opportunity coming up next week to really bridge the gap between Israel and the diaspora. We will take that responsibility very, very seriously, as we always do. So that's the story from here. I hope you'll be tuned in. You can certainly comment on the app at all times. Most, I mean, we're talking about 90 to 95% of our programming is going to be... Um, is going to be live, so we'll be able to interact with everybody on the app, which is really cool. Uh, the rabbi down there in Atlanta says Shabbat Shalom and Siyatava from the ATL. He also wants some rechnets or rejects. He's right. Got to get some of that. Well, I guess in Adar too, we'll start increasing our uh, our rechnets or presence here on the air. Um, <laughs> Schwiger writes, oh my gosh, love this. Thank you for the fabulous early morning humor. I know the reading of the will is always, <laughs> always a, a great humorous way 
uh, to put a smile on people's faces. It is hilarious. 16 minutes before 7 o'clock, JM in the AM. Thanks so much for joining us. Big day, big Friday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. And uh, we continue. This is a song that we played yesterday in honor of Barry Weber joining us during the live lunch. Uh, it is a song that has um, been brought to our attention and um, and really is pretty amazing. Uh, it's really beautiful. It's called Rebind. Barry Weber, JM in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Yeah. 
Till I can sing these songs again So I take it with me every day Till Shabbos comes and I can say Come join with me my friends Run around and all I share Oh, boys, they 
J.M. in the A.M. with Eitan Freilach. Wrapping up the hour. Oh, yeah. Ivdu and Yomzev from Eitan Freilach. Arye Kunstler at Mizmor Shear. You heard Rebone done by Barry Weber. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Parshas Vayakel and Shkullim. Candlelighting 527 in New York. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Adar 2. Rosh Chodesh will be Thursday and Friday. We hit the road, brought to you by our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms this coming uh, this coming weekend as we uh, start our journey to Israel with our friends at Koren Publishers this coming Monday. And I certainly hope you'll be tuned in and that you'll be... Oh, oh there we go. That you'll be focused on our amazing programming from Israel. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. JM and Friday in America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSingle.com on the Nahum Single Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background. News from Israel, hopefully, hopefully coming up. <laughs> Doesn't seem like we have any guarantees of that anymore. I can tell you that much, but uh, hopefully our newscast will will be uh... here's our news from Israel
אקדים ואומר שום דבר לא עומד ביחס לאסון הנורא שקרה. אין בי כעס על כתב החשדות שהוגש נגדי, התביעה עושה את עבודתה וזה רצוי וראוי, ועדיין קשה לי רגשית כשאני קורא את הכתב, שמביא חלקי עובדות, חלקי משפטים ושיחות, מתעלם מהעמדה שלי ומעמיד באופן אחר לחלוטין את האירועים. כך מנהל מכינת בני ציון לשעבר שהוסיף שמעתי אמש את הנאום של ביבי לאחר כתב החשדות. בעבר הנאום הזה היה עושה עליי פחות רושם, היום הרגשתי קצת הזדהות. כתבנו רמי שונים מוסר שכתב אישום דומה יוגש גם נגד אביב ברדיצ'ב, מדריך במכינה, שעל פי החשד התעקש לקיים את הטיול על אף ההתראות מפני השיטפונות הצפויים בנחלי הדרום. חיזבאללה מתייחסת להחלטת בריטניה להכיר פראק כארגון טרור וטוענת מדובר בהוכחה נוספת לרפיסות הבריטית. בהודעה שפרסמה התנועה נכתב כי המהלך הוא עלבון לרגשות העם הלבנוני ותוצר של לחץ מצד האמריקנים וכן שחיזבאללה הוא כוח פוליטי ופופולרי חשוב. כתבתנו עינה אנטונוב מוסרת שבשבוע שעבר החליטה בריטניה להגדיר את כל זרועות התנועה כארגון טרור משום שחיזבאללה מערער Meine Brüder und Schwestern, Schabes Kaiderschkim, ach, lass mich sich ziehen greifen. Oh, ich nisse mein Schiff, oh, ich singt alle mit mir, mir senden du aus, oh, wie in der Heim. Alle zusammen bechabide, oh, ich lass mich singen, schiede, oh, ich teufle heut aus Lasche. ZANG Shabbos is heilig, in Moilis in the heilig, Miss Moishele, oi ma Shabbos. Ma godly vi grois, chasudim a gansim shtoins, vi grois is the chesed haboire. Asher bochaboni, ke geben in zamatune, viluni boinu santo oire. Shabbos 
Shut up. 
בואים בשלום, עטרת בעלה, גם ברינה, ובצה עולה, תוכר J.M. and the A.M. It's a Friday morning broadcast on the Zerah of Shabbos. Parshas by Yakel and Shkolim. Candle lighting at 527. It's uh, Adar 2 this coming Wednesday night. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Thursday and Friday will be a two-day Rosh Chodesh. Uh, feel free to comment on the NSN app. Go to the NSN Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone and comment away. Shaney says, good Shabbos from the old city. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you, Shaney. Amram Adar had Bowie Kala. You heard it Dadya in there with Bowie. Baharikosi, that was Rogers Park. Shia Rubenstein in there with Mizmor Shear on a JM in the AM Friday morning. 28 degrees, morning snow, and a high temperature of 39. Welcome to those of you listening around the world. Rabbi Yudin is coming up uh, with a discussion about Vayakel and Shkullin. That'll be at 8.15 this morning. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us. Um, 7.40 Eastern Time, just 20 minutes from now, uh, to discuss the news of the week. Weekly update, 20 minutes from now, right here at JM in the AM. This is 
Tehuda Green. Erev Shabbos Vayakel, also Shabbos Shkolem this week. Candlelighting in New York, 527. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Obench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Adar 2, believe it or not. Starts Wednesday night. It'll be a two-day Rosh Chodesh, Thursday and Friday. Thursday and Friday is your uh, two-day Rosh Chodesh this time around. As we get closer and closer to the great holiday of Purim. Thank God. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. Check them out. Print out hundreds of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos. And enjoy learning more and more from the uh, good people that they uh, that they post and um, and feature on their pages, JewishWorldReview.com. Um, we're moments away from speaking with Malcolm Honline. I remind you that uh, he is going to be spending the holiday of uh, Pesach, which, believe it or not, is next month. Now that it's March 1st, we could actually say that the Israeli elections are next month and the uh, holiday of Pesach is next month, as much as that scares a lot of people, including me. Um, he'll be Pesach in Puerto Vallarta. Check it out. Go to uh, Pesach in Vallarta.com, Pesach in Vallarta.com, or call for information. And that would be area code 786-290-5919, 786-290-5919. I also remind you that uh, we here at the Nahum Siegel Network feature a great show every Monday. Mayor Weingarten hosts the Israel Show at 9 a.m. Monday morning. And this coming week, as he's doing all these weeks between now and the beginning of uh, April, um, uh, this coming Monday, he again will be giving his unique take on the uh, latest news regarding the Israeli elections. So tune in and enjoy, if it's in fact possible, to enjoy election talk uh, before the uh, the big day on April the 9th. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you. It's good to talk to you from uh, native soil, although <laughs> I miss the, our homeland soil. Yeah, that was uh, quite a journey you had, uh, basing yourself in Israel and heading out to different African countries and speaking to us again from Jerusalem. I'm sure it was one of uh, your more interesting journeys. Yes, yeah, very productive, thank God, and uh, very important. Uh, all right, uh, we joked, I think it was we, sometimes I forget <laughs> who I'm joking with on the air, but... Uh, we did say sarcastically that uh, it seems for the last couple of years, every uh, every couple of weeks, we hear that in a couple of weeks the prime minister is going to be indicted and that these indictments will be handed down. Uh, I know that um, it has been announced and the news is reporting that, in fact, the attorney general is seeking indi- indictments against or will be seeking indictments against Prime Minister Netanyahu. Uh, what what is the timetable? Like, what why is all, why are there all these preparatory steps instead of the attorney general just getting up and announcing things at a press conference? Because there is a process, and it could take still several months. And there are appeals, there are ways, there are legal maneuvers that could be uh, undertaken. But um, before you actually indict, you file these charges, and it's a fifty-seven page uh, document in which list the indictments in the various cases, and the likelihood that it could be a half a year, a year before the actual indictments are filed. But the damage for Netanyahu in terms of the election uh, is done once the once these charges are made public, and it, it, the polls seem to indicate that they would lose seats. We don't know how many. We don't know for how long. 
the impact will last. It's, it's only a month till the election, just not a lot of time. So it has obvious ramifications, both personally for him and his family, but also for his political futures. And, and when the two parties, his and uh, Blue and White, are so, we couldn't Blue and White, are so close, uh, now it seems to show that uh, Blue and White will benefit by half a dozen seats, maybe more. Uh, and it also explains why he was so desperate about not having uh, splinter parties on the right lose seats, because it's it's not just what the two parties get, it's whether they can build a coalition of 61 votes to be able to go to the president and say they can form a government. So it's with 61 being half plus one of the of the Knesset, 120 members. Right, the majority. So this, uh, I mean, this is obviously very serious. It's very damaging. It uh, leads to stories and then press around the world. Um, it, it has to, you know, uh, he has to be focused on it at a time when he has many challenges at home. He seems to have a unique ability to compartmentalize his uh, his responsibilities and what he has to do. I, he spoke to us last week at the con- president's conference meeting, and he was excellent. And he gave a really serious uh, um, 35-minute address and did not seem distracted or anything. He was very friendly and uh Based on the time, based on the timetable, is it obvious to you that when he did speak to your group, he knew this was going to happen, or or yeah, he, everybody knew this was going to happen? I mean, it's been no meaning that meaning that it would ha- that it would be become that it would become a headline before the election. Yeah, M- most of them were thinking. No, no, home. this was a debate. He tried to stop it. He went to court to try to stop having it released, or others did uh, on his behalf or on their own behalf, uh, there were various attempts to try to stop it from being released before the election. The courts refused to do so. And remember, the Attorney General, Mandelblit, is, is an appointee of Netanyahu. He's a, a man of great integrity. I know him quite well, and he, is, um, he served as Cabinet Secretary in many other positions with Netanyahu as Attorney General. And um, Netanyahu even said nice things about him, but said that he was weak yesterday. Um, and uh, I think most people feel he's being very judicious. It's clear he's not on a witch hunt, uh, personally, but the press is, and they the way that they constantly uh, harangue and barrage over you know, the barrage of reports and and uh, accusations. Uh, but it's it's not atypical for them, uh, for much of the Israeli press, not all. And I think that um, you know it maybe it's better that that it's out and that he can address it. And there's some who believe maybe there will be a backlash if the public feels that he's being, you know, oppressed or, or unduly um, attacked, that there, that there will be a backlash. I always use the, you know, the cab driver barometer, and I have to say that even after it was clear that this was going to come out, the cab drivers to a person said Netanyahu. Yeah, but the cab drivers are all Likudniks. I mean, they're all, you know, that's that, that's the... Yeah, but I'm saying they haven't abandoned him yet, and I don't know... Well, they're hardcore what... Likudniks. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But but uh, uh, I only meant that partially. Yeah, I know. I Seriously, I, I, but the polls do show there would be a diminution, and now Gantz has said that, unlike what Lapid kept saying last week, that there would, that there would be a unity government with Likud, He's saying a unity government, but not with Bibi in it, that he would not have a, a Likud with a Bibi at the head. So he's trying to take advantage of this to, 
to tell people, look, you can still have liquid in the government, but without him, if you vote for us. Right. You know, now that you've described to us this whole timetable and Mendelblitz, um, you know, process and the whole thing going into the court. Now, again, I mean, when I make this statement or this observation, all it is is against the Israeli court decision, it sounds it sounds like, but I mean, it, and and on the assumption that I don't have this great, you know, love for Netanyahu because I'm trying to really separate my politics from from fairness, it really does look suspicious, even with Mandelblit's great record and the judges, you know, integrity. I'm sure all the judges, you know, in this situation have tremendous integrity. It does really look suspicious now, uh, you know, about the timing of this whole thing. There were five weeks before the election. I mean, talk about October surprise. This is like, you know, this is October surprise to the 10th degree. Yeah, but it's been going on for so long, for years. It's but not- it would have been a non-issue if they would have done this in April after the election. It, would, it, would, it wouldn't, would, wouldn't have had it, – it would have had much less of a role in terms of uh, having influence on the campaign. Yeah, but on the other hand, people will say that you that – you, um... And right. didn't follow the proper procedures and process that this is information that should get out. It shouldn't be contingent on the election. I mean, that's the counter-argument. I agree right. that it probably would have been wiser and better, you know, let the people vote, and uh, then the appropriate action would be taken uh, if he is elected. If he's not elected, then it will be a different outcome. But maybe they felt that people should have the information uh, when it's so, you know, significant, and to cover it up or to delay it, because of political considerations, uh, I don't know the um, you know whether how they weighed all of this, but it, but it's been clear for months, and it, I don't think that uh, anybody anticipated a different outcome. <clears throat> the question is the seriousness and the fact that there, to me, the the fact that there's still a bribery charge that is very serious. Um, breach of faith is serious too, but um, I think that is. Uh, yeah, that's a very serious and, accusation. And, and there's no historical precedent, right? I mean, there's there's nowhere in in Israeli history in these seventy years that we can point to in terms of how either the public reacted or whether, in fact, people would demand that he either leave the race or if he stays in, there's not a chance that you know, like you said, he'd be offered to form a government. It said there's really no precedent, right? I mean, even in the Olmert case, it's a, I don't even think he was prime minister at the time. Um, so there's really nothing we can go on to see how the Israeli people uh, generally react to a situation like this. Well, you had Katsav, you had Omer, you have had others who have gone to jail, ministers and important people, but you're right, not a sitting prime minister. But, you know, the Israeli people, I think, have a high degree of sensitivity and sensibility. They... Um, uh, I'm sure that, the, I mean, this is the subject at everybody's table, and they're all talking about it. But what the impact will be is is hard to predict. You know, they always say that Israelis tell the truth to the pollsters and then lie at the polls because the polls are always wrong. And um, I think that that is uh, very relevant to what to to how they will behave once they go into the polls uh, a month from now. And it's also what alternatives do they see Gantz and Lapid and the the combination of those parties as an alternative, something they're comfortable with. You know, they have uh, three generals. You have Yalon, you have Ashkenazi, three former chiefs of staff. Uh, We don't know what the coalition on the right, because right now it still seems that the right has more votes as a whole, as a block. And now we'll see after this revelation whether they still do. Uh, You know, the left is very weak, the extreme left, so it's really 
the competition this time between two major parties. Right. Um, the bribery case, the bribery accusation that you just brought up before, wouldn't you agree? And I'm no legal expert. I'm just a. Ca- I know that. I'm thanks. <laughs> I'm just a casual observer who like who likes politics as a spectator sport, as you know. Um, don't you feel that this, unlike Olmert, by the way, to make comparison, where that was looked like real bribery? Don't you agree that this bribery charge looks very, you know, sketchy? We really don't. It, it is going to be hard to prove that this arrangement or this. Uh, you know, relationship that he had was a real bribe. Well, that's what the charge is. That I understand, but don't don't you agree that it's going to be really hard in the in the media case in the Walla case? Don't you think it's going to be really hard to prove that there was an actual, you know? Well, Netanyahu hasn't had a chance to defend himself. He claims that there are dozens of witnesses that were not interviewed that will exculpate him. Uh, let's see. I mean, I don't. We can't prejudge because we now have, and, and I don't know anybody's really read the fifty-seven-page document here in Israel. And I guess it was the sport for everyone, uh, including myself. Uh, the, the, so the charges and the standards are somewhat different in the United States for bringing those charges. Ah. So what we have to do is, I think, sit back, and uh, there will inevitably be more revelations, and Netanyahu will go on an aggressive defense. Of himself, um, he's coming here, as you know, during this time for APEC. He just was in Russia this past week and met with Putin. He, the president of Brazil, is coming there in the beginning of April. He'll have many high-profile visits and things to show that you know he's still the leader and that he is the uh, person that foreign leaders have confidence in. So it'll be very interesting, and people should just be careful, read everything, and see, but don't just follow the headlines. Are you prepared to predict that? And I know you don't like predicting, but isn't it isn't there a good possibility that with all this going on, uh, he may pull out of APAC? He may use the campaign as an excuse to say he can't come to the United States at that time. Well, actually, I think the opposite. I think that that now he confirmed his participation over the weekend, last weekend, and um, the I think he he wants that platform. He wants to be shown with President Trump. He wants to show that you know this. He, he he's not letting this cripple him. So to to give in to it by pulling out, although it's a possibility at any time, yeah. uh, right now would probably not be in his interest. All right, then I'll predict it. I'll predict BB stays away from APAC. We'll see what happens. Okay, and I'll predict he stay goes this way. If it does happen, I look like a genius. And if it doesn't happen, people forget I even said it. <laughs> <laughs> will confirm their previous assumptions. Right? <laughs> or at least the ones that you're putting out there. Uh, reaction from around the world. Um, it, I was a little surprised, or maybe I shouldn't have been so surprised, that it got the attention from network news and from uh, uh, U.S. and European members of government that it did, many of whom felt the need to come out and make statements about, uh, about the accusations against Netanyahu. How would you evaluate the uh, reaction from around the world? Anticipated because anything that you know happens in Israel, I, I keep saying that Israel is a megaphone, and it applies to other circumstances too, where they have to be careful about what they do because everything gets broadcast here, and and um, 
it, it was inevitable. It's a sexy story that a sitting prime minister, especially of Israel, and those who don't like Trump and don't and and by extension, therefore, because of close relationship of Netanyahu and Trump, exploit this because a strike at Bibi is seen as a strike at the at Trump uh, by some, and. Um, they, you know, they always look for an opportunity. Then he's not very popular in Europe, and because he does stand up against them, and he what he did, you know, on JCPOA and many other issues, um, which many Israelis like. I guess people in Europe don't like, uh, and therefore welcome the opportunity. And he, he has been very tough on the anti-Semitism and some of the actions by European governments. So this is uh, for some payback, but inevitably, if if Macron, same thing. Uh, would have happened, you would have had headline stories here. It's a one-day story, generally. I think with Israel, it won't be. And you see how quickly the media jumps on every story, and it is disproportionate. But Israel is interesting, and, and you know it's one of the few places where reporters can go freely and don't even have to ask questions. Everybody just dumps information on them. All right, now this issue of uh, the prime minister, you know, and, and the coalition with the right, Otsma, etc., you know, a lot of people uh, are not happy with it. Um, um, we mentioned APAC earlier. They made it clear that they weren't happy with this, uh, you know, coalition being formed with the quote-unquote extreme right. Um, you were asked to comment about this, and if I'm not mistaken, you said that you're, you're concerned, right? Would that be the right way of... Uh, of summing up how you put it, that it was a con- it, it, I said that many people here were concerned about it, and they're concerned on a number of grounds. One, there are some because of the party and its positions, but uh, uh, the concern that we have, of course, is that, that this will be exploited by the forces that we see active, continuing to be active, by the way, and, and although they issue apologies, some of these men, new members of Congress continue in their hateful and uh, comments and, and unacceptable uh, remarks, and they will use this uh, inevitably. And we saw many members of Congress, the great, great friends of Israel, come out and warn about this because they're concerned about the, uh, the reaction and the way it will be exploited. Uh, others have pointed out the level of some uh, element of hypocrisy because there are Arab members who take very extreme positions, including not supporting the state and and supporting BDS, and yet they're allowed to be in the Knesset. The prime minister said he, they won't serve in the government, but he gave that the party with whom they're merging, you know, the old Bayit um, um the promise of two two seats, two key ministerial posts, including education. So that sort of raised the the level of uh, of concern and objection but the uh, I think the reaction is is uh, in some cases exaggerated in other cases you know the the headlines did not reflect what actually initially American Jewish Committee and then APAC endorsed it uh, the headline said that they condemned the prime minister there's no word of condemnation they don't use the word condemn at all in their statement, they criticize and they express their concern uh, about it. Well, what's that? What do you mean criticize? In, with what language criticized? Just by expressing concern, or there was something else. No, they expressed their concern and and, and attacked Otsma's uh, uh, record. I guess I, I don't have the statement in front of me, right. but it, I read it in Israel. On the it was the headline story, and it was a way saying, look, if if even APAC. Uh, uh, comes out against, and you know, American Jewry is abandoning, et cetera. And APAC's 
did not issue their own statement. They endorsed the American Jewish Committee statement, uh, and committee has generally been supportive right. of, uh, certainly of Israel and of the prime minister. So for them, it was it was a tweet, and this, um, you know, it's a man bites dog story. Right. So when groups that are known to be supportive of Israel, and I tried to, to say, look, I don't judge the prime minister, but and I said this weeks before any of this came out, when I got to Israel, and I just said and called on all parties to take into account how what they say and do is heard abroad. At a time when we have the rise of anti-Semitism and anti-Israel sentiment, you know, it, 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 words have different meanings in different countries. Actions have different Nobody knows the context of any of this. And so that people should, and leaders should be concerned and careful about how they give expression and how during the heat of a campaign things are said that then get uh, and Israel's a megaphone so it gets blasted here way disproportionate to what any other country would would get uh, would see so it's you know Chachamim is really the should be a banner everywhere that wise people be careful with your words the other thing is that the prime it was the prime minister himself who publicly and pressured for it had it been a, a some surrogate, I think the reaction would have been less targeted. Ah, good but, point. But because he really doesn't have people you right. know, that they trust, her, and that the fact that he personally negotiated the deal, right, right, good and point. For it. Very good point. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio around the world, on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved. NSN app. Don't forget, 9 o'clock Monday morning, Mayor Weingarten with a comprehensive look at the Israeli elections. Um, that happens on the Israel show, 9 a.m. right after JMDM. We'll be in Israel, of course. Don't forget, we're in Israel next week. Broadcasting will be with Cohen Publishers on Monday until 9 a.m., and then Mayor will take over the live presentation. By the way, I mean, with all due respect, um, th- there are people who contacted me this week based on your statement telling me that you threw uh, BB under the bus, and then I went and read your statement. And you really, you know, you, you describe, and I hope I'm being fair with this, tell me if you agree, you basically describe the atmosphere um, uh, in Israel and, you know, the way people are reacting to the situation. But it didn't sound like, in all fairness to you, it didn't sound like you were actually coming out and criticizing the prime minister. It sort of, it sounded like, and it read like you were simply describing uh, you know, how people felt in the wake of his negotiation. That's right. And I said specifically in the statement that I'm not judging right. uh, Netanyahu. And I have to say, I spoke to him afterward the statement. He, he, they did not have a problem. They thought it was a fair statement. And it was clearly meant to address some of the concerns and the misrepresentation of what was being uh, said here. And And there are two points that I made. One, that the people of Israel have always demonstrated by their votes that they reject extremism. So you can rely on them. They don't need the outside pressures, et cetera. And you have a Central Elections Commission in the Supreme Court who have acted in the past uh, against extremists. And, and as I said, you know, there are Arabs who have very extreme positions, and people were pointing to that. The other thing, even about the, the uh, actions against the prime minister, I think that you can point with pride that, that Israel alone in the region, certainly, and, in, and among few countries in the world, where even the most powerful person can be held to account, that there's no distinction by, by position or by uh, influence, that the prime minister, a sitting prime minister, can be held to account, and it shows. And I can tell you, in the Arab world, there were editorials which, which mark this, which, which um, 
celebrated, in fact, saying in our own countries this couldn't happen, that uh, Israel, as a true democracy, holds everyone to account. And the same thing is true regardless of, uh, uh, regarding the parties that participate. The right to criticize the participation of any party, extreme left, extreme right, or anywhere in the middle. Uh, I did not attack Otsma, and I did, they didn't pick this up, but I did criticize the, the uh, reference to Nazism, which I think in, in any case you can criticize, you can use harsh language, but I think that that is really uh, uh, not not appropriate and, and uh, you know, diminishes then the, the the impact of the Holocaust and to compare, you know, concurrent uh, in the way that they did the ra- a specific rabbi, but he got tremendous press, and the media there exploits every comment and every statement um, you know, to their own interests and, and the, the selective reporting, especially these headlines saying that they, these organizations condemned the prime minister when they never did. So it's, you know, it's very disturbing. And it's, it's uh, you know, um, again, it's the image to the world. It's the image internally. Right. You, you don't want to dissuade young people. And, and um, you know, how do they read all of these developments? But on the first point, I think you're being unfair, quote unquote, to the Israeli electorate. The Israeli electorate was, was this close to giving a boatload of seats to a, quote unquote, right wing extreme party in its history. And only the politically influenced courts went ahead and make sure they wouldn't. So I, don't I know. said there's a system of checks and balances. It's not just, but the yeah. Well, you, the did, you said itself, the Israeli people I think can be given credit by and large. Doesn't mean that they they don't elect people. We, we elect people too. Look, there have been racists and, and anti semites, other people elected even this year. Even and and we don't see the kind of can, uh, of of yet complete repudiation. There's been a lot, and and we appreciate all of it, but they continue, you know, they issue apologies and then continue. So in every democracy, you have people get elected for whatever reason. It's not necessarily because they were elected because they were anti-Semites, but that wasn't a reason enough to throw them out. Look at Corbyn, you know, the 35% of the, I uh, think the electorate says he's an anti-Semite, even of, of labor members, and yet he still remains the, the head of the labor party. So it, it's a fact of, of nature of politics Especially the more open the system, the more likely is that you're going to have such um, such developments. Tell us about the foreign minister of Iran and why he resigned and why his resignation is not being accepted. Okay, Mr. Zarif, whom I've told you in the past, I negotiated with over the Iran 13 and other things. In fact, he invited me for dinner in his home when he was UN ambassador. Uh, is uh, is obviously very sensitive because he. I think the the immediate cause though there's been tension all along and he's been criticized, is, uh, and also because they, they don't see the benefits of the JCPOA as he had promised, and he's credited with having arranged it, and it's one of the reasons why I think they didn't accept the resignation, which I'll get to in a second. But the immediate cause was the visit of President Assad, the first visit he's made since the fighting started in what, 2011. And um, he, uh, he came to, to Iran, met with... Khamenei and with President Rouhani, but Zarif was not included, and he saw the pictures, and I think he just submitted his resignation in peak, uh, but but made some interesting statements where he issued an apology for whatever he did wrong, and I don't know whether it was an appeal to the people to, to say that he didn't do anything wrong, 
Um, but it, it was a little strange, and maybe it was a, a, re, a resentment at the role that the IRGC is playing, and Soleimani being included in the meetings, and also developments in Syria, etc., where he is not involved, and you know he is the voice. He, he, he just visited, I think, it was Pakistan last week, and and so this came very abruptly, and the uh, Supreme Leader refused to accept it. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, but this was like uh, reaffirmation for him. So if that's what he was looking for, I think he got it. Interesting. But he he was also <laughs> nothing better than residing and being begged to stay. Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, it's good. It's like being banned in Boston. But the, <laughs> exactly. but the the interesting thing, I mean, you know, Zarif is is a chameleon and a character. But the for Khamenei, somebody pointed out that he doesn't have many successes. The economy is in ruins. Their international standing, people resent the involvement in Syria and Hezbollah and Hamas and, uh, um, you know, and our, the young people, are, are unemployment is 40% plus. You have the drought. You have really a lot of problems. So the one thing he can point to is the JCPOA, which is all stuff that he can, Zarif takes credit for or is credited with. So if he resigns, that it will look, you know, like they, that it, and they have an upcoming elections, that they would lose that argument that that the ability to point to those achievements which Zarif was, was often credited with so there could be a lot of reasons why uh, I mean there's been tension and there could be a lot of reasons why the government refused to accept it uh, and why he was excluded from the meeting but the uh, net result right now is that I think he gains the question is will he stay uh, Iran was a big topic of conversation when uh, the prime minister met with uh, the president of Russia in Russia this week. Right. I didn't realize it was the first visit um, since the um, incident uh, in Syria. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Well, there was an earlier meeting, but remember it was postponed. So right. by Bibi postponed it. So he went and was uh, very short, and he came back right away because of developments in Israel. Now, if he's if Pu- if Putin really wants Iran out of Syria. Uh, can Israel be helpful in that in any way? Well, he can be helpful to Israel to let Israel do what it has to do, and that is to continue bombing the installations that Iran, Israel will not let Iran that has sworn to destroy Israel even again in the last week to to establish bases, to uh, ship weapons, uh, advanced weaponry. They do have weapons. They have bases. They are engaged in a massive campaign inside uh, uh, Syria to assure their long-term presence and um, influence. They have replaced the Sunni population. People who are expelled or left their homes are being replaced now with Shiite. And if you remember, I, I talked about this a long time ago, and all of a sudden this week everybody's beginning to discover yeah. that the whole areas, whole areas from, let's say, Damascus north to Lebanon, etc., are being turned into Shiite areas. And people, the foreign militia fighters, for instance, their families are being brought there now. Iran is building uh, mosques and schools and institutions and even housing for them so that there will be a permanent presence and they remain in Syria no matter what. I can't believe that Assad is, is comfortable with this. I know from my discussions with him that he does not trust and, and is very concerned about Iran's influence in the country. I don't think he can do much right now. Um, he has in the past. But Russia can't be comfortable with the idea of Iran being a permanent presence because it will ultimately threaten their influence. But more than that, they don't want to see another radicalized Shia Iranian-based uh, uh, country 
that threatens them and, and everyone else. And this, for Turkey, this has got to be a very uh, of great concern and threatening situation. So the the ramifications of this are are very great, not just in terms of the current conflict, but as the fight with ISIS dies down, and it's one of the reasons why the American presence is so significant, symbolically and practically, uh, in terms of Iran's ability to build a transnational uh, Shiite crescent from the Mediterranean and in Beirut and to, through Damascus, through Iraq, and to, to Iran. By the way, did the prime minister address that to your group, the American presence in Syria? 100%. Really? And, and, and I assume he, he echoed what you just said. Well, he has publicly expressed uh, his concern about it um, and has talked to the U.S. and says the U.S. has given Israel the backing to do what needs to defend itself. Some people feel it gives Israel more of a right, more le- leeway, um, others would argue that and the symbolic present uh, ramifications. We heard it in Africa, let alone in the Arab countries, where their concern is this American retreat again. Is this going back to the Obama policy? Is this um, you know America uh, abandoning its commitments? Right. So it, it, you know it's read by everybody. And and while again it's a minimal commitment, two thousand people being reduced to four hundred, right. but uh, the fact that at least four hundred at the Air Force. And the air power is reinforced and sustained. That is really the critical um, element in in start trying to stop these, some of the uh, terrorists and and to protect, let's say, the Kurds and others. And then you have, of course, Turkey with its own agenda and incursions and troops on the border. But Iran and Turkey are in competition as much as they are drawn together now, not out of love, but a common interest. Uh, the Ottoman and the Persian empires are, are inevitably going to clash and do in some places, even if they cooperate in others. Does Israel have a preference in uh, India versus Pakistan? Well, certainly Israel and India have been very close. Israeli uh, drones brought down the the Pakistani plane. Uh, um, uh, Israeli missiles brought down the Pakistani drone, but Israel has provided drones and uh, other equipment. Modi has proven to be a great friend. The prime minister had been scheduled to visit, but postponed it. Uh, uh, Modi visited Israel, the first prime minister of India to do so. The relationship, you know, we have embassy, an embassy, Israel has an embassy, and they have an embassy in Israel. So they have a clear preference. Pakistan has always been uh, more radical, and um, so, and, and there's a greater danger to both nuclear powers. And uh, Pakistan, if you remember the um, the case in the past where the, the nuclear scientists shared information, right. and we know that uh, you know that, that a lot is for sale there. All right, and I got to ask you about this side of the world because uh, I've been asked by so many people to constantly bring this up with you. I mean, number one, while you're away um, locally here in New York, I don't know about everything that's going on around this country. There there have been some uh, disturbing anti-Semitic episodes, including uh, swastikas and playgrounds in other areas of New York City. Uh, plus, we again see, anybody paying attention yesterday, we see a member of Congress who uh, not alluded but directly spoke about dual loyalty in a clear reference uh, to what, what seems to be a clear reference to American Jews. I know that the question of, Malcolm, what can we do about her is a disturbing one because you would like people to get more involved and become vocal uh, about you know government officials like this. But what else can you tell us um, uh, about these types of comments and episodes? 
Well, first of all, they're very disturbing because of the sitting members, and while it's an individual and we should not uh, hype them uh, and give them more visibility and bigger platform, the, the responsibility rests, number one, with the Democratic leadership, with the people in their own party, with the leadership in Congress, and, and they have increasingly spoken out and expressed concern, but they should be stripped of their of their um, uh, committee assignments. They should they have to pay a price. This would not be tolerated in any other regard, and, and the um, you know, there's a limited degree to which you can continue to, to, to claim ignorance or, you know, that you didn't understand the implications of the words or know why it's offensive. There's no doubt about why it's offensive, no doubt about what, what the intent is. And the, um, the fact that, you, that they appeal to young people, that some of them have tens of millions of followers on Facebook or whatever and uh, social media they, they engage in, the, uh, you can't dismiss this. This is very disturbing that they that they attempt to mainstream these people and then they become leaders and members of Congress. I'm the boss, and um, they, they proclaim plans which are ludicrous, but gain a following immediately. And uh, while they can play off concerns that are legitimate, uh, their their uh, attacks and their anti-Semitic or, or uh, blatantly or by innuendo anti-Semitic. Uh, comments are just not acceptable and and it's the leadership and, and members of the democratic party members of congress who have to make it clear that they'll be isolated that they have to pay a price that there's going to be sanctions uh, of some kind and with all of this in mind that's why we have to stress that anybody from any state not just her state can or her district can make their voice heard and put pressure on their own local officials government officials to do what you just described uh, and they should register. Number one, the best thing to do is to register. Uh, Cortez and Queens won with 10% of the vote. Delight vote won because there was a split of five uh, African-American candidates. All of them won by flukes. But most of all, indifference is what enables people like this to, to get in. And people, you know, had no idea what she stood for. She had no history. She has no knowledge. The ignorance that they demonstrate, uh, all of them, about the issues is is shocking. And, uh, you know, again, the, the le- level of tolerance for this, people being afraid to, to confront them, this is ridiculous. And, and again, this is not uh, the Jews who should be doing this. This has to be the people of influence, every opinion molder, anybody who claims to have a moral standing has a responsibility to speak up now. All right, next week in Israel, but Friday I'm back here in studio, and I look forward to uh, doing this again with the weekly So maybe update. I should interview you next week. Nice. And find out what's happening in Israel. I like that. <laughs> Let's go for it. We'll, we'll see yeah. how you do. We'll, we'll exchange questions. <laughs> I'll have a panel of judges evaluate your performance. <laughs> we'll uh, talk about it. <laughs> thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful job. There he is, Malcolm Online, his executive vice chairman. of the. I can only imagine the panel of judges would be that I would choose. Uh, the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations joins us Friday. Fridays here, Erev Shabbos for the weekly update. Again, next week, no exception. We'll be back from Israel, and we will present the weekly update on Friday morning. Don't forget our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms presents our On the Road in Israel segment. And boy, it's one long segment. We're going to be there for four days. Monday's JM in the AM with Cohen Publishers. Tuesday's JM in the AM with Azer Mitzion. Wednesday's JM the AM with Shari Tzedek. Thursday's JM the AM with our friends from uh, JCT, Ben Gurion Medical Center, a medical school, and um, the Inbal Hotel. NSN, Nahum Single Network on the Road in Israel, is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. I will be there, by the way. If you really, really need to uh, 
I don't know, get me a flyer or a CD. I'll be I'll be at Aaron's probably in the 1020 area, 1020, 1030 this morning. Anyway, make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs and get in there and shop at a most amazing store anytime between now, Purim, Pesach, etc. You will enjoy the experience that I can tell you. Uh, JM and the AM want to, uh, before I get to Rabbi Yunin, I want to make sure to wish a, um, a Mazel Tov. Give me a second here. We have... Um, Ah, here we go. A happy birthday wish. Super best wishes for a very happy birthday going out to daughter Tippy Schreiber of Bayswater. Tippy, we hope you have a terrific day. Wish you a wonderful year ahead filled with good health, Simcha, and Nachas. And speaking of Nachas, thank you for all the Nachas you send our way through your beautiful Kinderlach. We'll gladly take that anytime with much love from Ima and Abba. We know them as Listener Sina and Mr. Listener Sina down in Florida. Don't forget the uh, tribute to Rabbi and Rebetzin Yudin happens on April the 7th. And now that it's March 1st, we could say that it's happening next month. Everybody out there, if you have been enjoying Rabbi Yudin's presentation here at JM in the AM, if you are somebody who appreciates the incredible uh, 50 years that Rabbi Benjamin and Sheva Yudin have given uh, in uh, Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn and beyond in so many other areas of the Jewish world, be at the Atrium Ballroom in Muncie on April the 7th. Go to UdenTribute.org. If you can't be there, obviously donate in their honor. You can do that on the website, UdenTribute.org. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayakhel. And we have the privilege tomorrow of taking out two Sifrei Torah. In addition to Parshas Vayakhel, it is the first of the four special Parshios that span from before Rosh Chodesh Adar, coming up in Mirza Hashem this coming Thursday and Friday, and Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first of the four parshios is that of Parshas Shkalim, whereby we read the first paragraph of Parshas Kisisa, where the Torah um, prescribes that annually each and every Jew is to donate a machzis hashekel, a half shekel, to the sanctuary, to the base Hamikdash, and the purpose of this half shekel is to give each and every individual a share and an equal share in the korbanos sibur, in the communal offerings. Namely, each and every day, every morning, every afternoon there was a korban tamid, No exception to that rule. Every Shabbos, Uvi Yom HaShabbos, Shnei Kavosim Tamimim, there was Musaf, an additional two korbanos. Every Rosh Chodesh, every Yom Tov, these korbanos were paid for by the community. An individual could not donate any of these communal offerings, and so everybody had an equal share 
in the Korbanos Sibur by contributing a half a shekel. The monies had to be in by Rosh Chodesh Nisan, and therefore the uh, Mishnah tells us that Echad Adar on Rosh Chodesh Adar, Mashmin Al Hashkolim. The Bezdin would announce, Get your Shkolim ready. While we cannot yet contribute a half shekel to the Mikdash, we have a remiss to that, a hint that on Shush, that on Tanis Esther, right before Purim, the custom is to give a half of whatever the denomination of currency is in that respective land, in Israel, a shekel, in the United States, a dollar. And it's a zecher, it's a reminder to us of the Marxist HaShekel, that a Hashem, we will be privileged to give in the very near future. Parshas Vayakel, according to the Chinuch, contains but one mitzvah, and that is one losase, a restriction, namely, Shloyasu Bezdin Mishpat Moves Peshabbos. And that is really the verse that I'd like to speak about. The opening paragraph of Parshas Vayakel speaks about Shabbos, and the Torah says, Lo Savaru Eish that you're not to literally light a fire in your dwellings on Shabbos. Now, we all know what those words mean. Yet, the Chinuch tells us, do you know what the verse means? It means that the Jewish court of law is not permitted to administer capital punishment on Shabbos, one of the four means of capital punishment that the Jewish court system has is srefa, burning, not burning the outer part of the body, but pouring hot lead down the individual. And one could have thought that perhaps this would be administered even on Shabbos, comes along the verse and says, no, this is how our rabbis understand it, and as a result of this, it filters down. Not only don't we have capital punishment, we don't have any punishment on Shabbos, including makos, giving lashes, and it filters down all the more that our rabbis said there is not to be the convening of any Bezdin on Shabbos, and the reason for that is on a rabbinic level, lest the judges need to write testimony and various arguments, no Bezdin on Shabbos. But in addition to the meaning that there is no court of law on Shabbos, Rashi brings two interpretations as to what this verse is coming to teach me, whether it's coming to teach me that lighting a fire is different than um, 
the other 39 prohibitions of Shabbos that have capital punishment. This could be lelav, just for ending up with lashes, or lechalik, teaching us a very important principle that if one were to violate unknowingly several different uh, violations of Shabbos, rather than bring one korban chatos, sin offering, for violation of Shabbos, he would have to bring a sin offering in accordance with each particular prohibition that he violated. Needless to say, we learn from here that we're not to light a fire on Shabbos, and this is where the minhog comes that we have hot food on Shabbos because the Karaites believed in only one Torah, namely the Torah Shebechsav, the written Torah. And it says you're not to have a fire in your home on Shabbos. And they therefore said that Shabbos is to be dark. Shabbos is to have cold food. And the entire tone of Shabbos takes on a very negative one, cold, dark. And the Chachamim come and say, no, it's only on Shabbos that you can't light the fire, but if it is lit from before, therefore, the rabbinic mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles and the uh, emphasis on eating hot food on Shabbos, chont chamin, as is known in the Sephardic community, is a way of demonstrating that we believe in the oral law. We believe in the Torah Shabal Peh that says that you are to have hot food because it is arranged from before Shabbos. Finally, I'd like to talk about another understanding of the verse coming from the Zohar. And the Zohar understands the verse of Losavaru Eish, Bechomosh Rosechem, Biyom HaShabbos, that you're not to light a fire in your dwelling places on Shabbos, the Zohar understands it to mean call man to kotis, whoever is angry on Shabbos, a different kind of fire, a fire from within, within the individual. The Torah is strongly teaching, says the Zohar, that there is a prohibition of getting angry on Shabbos. Very, very interesting idea. And even though, as I will show right now, based upon the Gemara in Shabbos 105b, that the Gemara says, in reality, there's a prohibition of getting angry at any time teaches Reb Shimon ben Elazar in the name of Chilfa bar Agra, in the name of Reb Yochanan ben Nuri, that whoever hamakareya begodav b'chamoso, whoever tears his garments in anger, mishaber kelov 
Bechamaso, breaks utensils, Mefazer Moosav, scatters his money in anger. How do we look upon this? It's as if he is worshipping idols. Hello, how do you connect the dots? The Gemara connects the dots for us. Omar Rabbi Yavin, what, what's the source? Asks Rabbi Yavin, my Korah? And he quotes the Pasuk from the uh, end of the Torah, where the Torah says, Lo el zar. That literally, you are not to have within you a el zar, a foreign or an alien god. Excuse me, this is not at the end of the Torah. This is Tilim 81, Pasuk 10. Now, what does that mean, not to have within you a foreign god? It means to have a substance within you. What is this substance? The Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, which is in the individual, which is an ale, a god, instead of worshipping God, instead of realizing, as we'll see in a moment from David HaMelech, that it all comes from God, in which case, if somebody has, quote, angered you, and has not given you what you want, when you want it, etc., which provokes your anger, so after all, you have been hurt. Me, look at me, I am so important. That is that foreign God within the individual. A person is to realize, as indeed the Sefer HaChinuch explains when he speaks about the mitzvah of Losikom, the 241st mitzvah. And he quotes from Shmuel Bey's chapter 16, verse 11. When Shimi ben Geira curses David, and we are told that David's followers, Avishai ben Sruya, begged David for permission to kill Shimi, who, after all, was a Morid b'Malchus, was rebelling against the king. And what does David said? David said, "No, Hanichulo." Ki Omar Lo Hashem. David said, Don't kill him. It is coming from God. And David recognized that it is really God who caused him to so do. Now, that doesn't mean that Shimi didn't deserve punishment, which he gets later on from uh, Shlomo. And it doesn't mean that man doesn't have free will. But it means that we recognize it all comes from a higher source. Having said that, this is why we can certainly understand how not only can't one get angry during the week, but especially on Shabbos. What is Shabbos? Shabbos is, and I saw very beautifully in one of the essays of Rabbi Kanatavsky, Zechrona Levrocha, that he writes that what did we have last week in Parshas Kisisa, the sin of the golden calf. And then what comes at the beginning of this week's Parsha? Shabbos. And Shabbos is an antidote to the Egil. The Egil was 
Ela Elohecha Yisrael, God forbid, ascribing a significance to an idol. And Shabbos is the complete and total yielding and recognition of Sheshes Yomim, as it says in the beginning of this week's parasha, not that you shall do, but that work shall be done. To realize that even during the six days of the week when we're working, it's really He, Hashem, who's doing it for us, but giving us the opportunity to have our livelihood with dignity so we act as if we are the ones in control of our sustenance. But in reality, it comes from Him. And therefore, if Shabbos is to teach us that He is in control, so specifically, your getting angry on Shabbos is a kind of rebellion against Hashem. And therefore, says the Zohar, there is that special and separate prohibition against anger on Shabbos. The Rambam writes that in chapter 2 of Hilchos Deos, where in chapter 1 he advocates the importance of derech ho'em taking the middle of the road, not to go to one extreme or the other. In chapter 2, Halacha Gimel, he speaks about those character traits where you're not to go in the middle, but rather you are to go to an extreme. And what does he say? And so too, not only should a person be humble and should go to that extreme, as Moshe, the Torah says, was exceedingly humble, so too, it's especially bad. And a person should try to distance himself as much as he can. He should train himself not to be angry, even on something that he should be angry about. So wait a second. So what does that mean? It means that if you are a parent and you want to instill a very important lesson in your children, don't do this, yes, do that, etc. The Rambam says you are to feign, pretend that you are angry. In other words, have that control within yourself, but give it to your children. If you're a rabbi, show the community that you are angry in the sense that this is something exceedingly important. But you, the rabbi, you, the parent, are to have that important self-control above yourself. This is such a beautiful concept. Be careful. The rabbis tell us the Satan is Merakeid Erev Shabbos. Around Lichtzen, when it's oftentimes tense in certain homes, especially when there are young children, and very simply, people are on each other's nerves, getting ready for Shabbos, be especially careful not to get angry there. And realize and recognize that the greatness of Shabbos is the fact that we have peace. We have the Malachim Borchuni Lishalom, Right, we ask for peace on Shabbos. There should be literally beginning, not just peace with others, but emir Hashem, peace within ourselves as well. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Matis hosts J.M. Sunday this coming Sunday. On Sunday, he'll speak with the general manager of the season store in Scarsdale. That's having its grand reopening on Sunday. David Gelman is going to join Matis on J.M. Sunday this coming Sunday. If I land in time, I want to join Matis on Sunday. We'll see what happens. We're going to land probably just around the time that Matis starts to wrap things up, so we'll see what happens in terms of Checking in from the Holy Land on Sunday. Meanwhile, Monday, you know our plan for Monday. It'll be uh, 
a JMN broadcast from our friends at Corin Publishers. And we're getting ready for the big on-the-road shows. Um, it's going to be an amazing week. Very much looking forward to it. Reminder, right after JM and the AM table for two with Naomi Nachman. Naomi, this week, has nutritionist and diet expert Aliza Beer and cookbook author Kim Kushner. 10 o'clock, it's the Arab Shabbos show, hosted by Mark Zomik, brought to you by wonderful friends at Kedem. And, of course, the Kedem Arab Shabbos music mix continues until candlelighting time. Harry Rothenberg's video blog for Parshas Vayakil. You'll experience that during the afternoon. Make sure to keep it on NSN all day. Simple as that. So many people are doing that now. Just keep it on all day, and uh, you'll have amazing programming that I can guarantee you. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull, JM Sunday with Matis on Sunday. And um, we uh, hit the road. Uh, NSN on the road to Israel is sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms with you on the road this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Uh, Aaron's is amazing. I'll be there probably within 90 minutes from now. I will be at Aaron's. A lot of Arab Shabbos shopping to do. Before we head to the Holy Land, so uh, hope to be at Aaron's later this morning, and it is an it really is a great shopping experience. Wonderful customer service. Check it out, and of course, if you do want to make plans to take uh, whatever you need along with you for Pesach, contact Aaron's. You don't you don't even have to walk in; they'll take care of the whole thing for you over the phone. Just let them know what you need and uh, what you're looking to do, and uh, that's about it. So, your Pesach could be even easier. But whenever you uh, you need anything for Shabbos, for Purim, for Pesach, Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, that is the place. 12 minutes before 9 a.m. on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, as um, as we continue here at JM in the AM. This one comes from Michelle Shellis.
before that. Candle lighting 527 in New York on this era of Shabbos. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh Adar Bet. Rosh Chodesh will be Thursday and Friday. Um, set to wrap things up on a Friday era of Shabbos. Don't forget, On the Road to Israel, sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farm, starts Monday. We'll be at our friends at Koran Publishers in Jerusalem. Looking forward to an amazing week of programming. Make sure to join us all through next week right here at JM in the AM. I think you'll be very happy you did. Time to say good job is with Journeys at JM in the AM. Oh. 
to say good job is Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at on the Nachum Segal Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JM in the AM. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget, everybody, that the uh, amazing and incredible journey to Israel happens next week. Starting with our friends at Koren Publishers is coming Monday morning. Uh, make sure to be tuned in. It should be an amazing and incredible show. That is what we anticipate. Uh, it'll be the beginning of really an amazing and incredible week. Um, and I hope you'll uh, be tuned in. 90% of our programming from Israel is live, which means you can interact on the NSN app. 
and we can interact with you all through the show. Make sure to comment and uh, and be part of our broadcast by doing just that. Naomi Nachman's next with a brand new edition of Table for Two featuring diet expert Elisa Beer and cookbook author Kim Kushner. Plenty more all day long. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend. Speak to you from Jerusalem, everybody. And a big thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms for sponsoring On the Road to Israel. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.